Kami sering dikumpulkan dan beliau menyampaikan hal yang sama. Not only has the president complained in cabinet meetings, he said, but every time he meets with governors, sometimes the entire meeting will be based only on this issue. He reminds us that we need to cut the red tape and speed up the permit and licensing process. Often, the results on the ground are different than what he hopes, and this has been a big disappointment to him. This is Indonesia In-Depth, and we have a very special guest today for this episode. We are honored to have the two-term governor of West Nusa Tenggara province and rising star in Indonesian politics, Dr. Zainul Majdi. Now, the governor is a very interesting person and someone that the listeners should be aware of for numerous reasons. He was the youngest governor to serve two terms. He has an impressive track record on the ground in his province. And he has also been on the radar of many political observers who have dubbed him as the politician to watch in 2019. He will be completing his second term as governor later this year. And the election law prohibits him from running for a third term. So everyone's asking, what's next for Governor Zainul? Rumors say that he may be aiming for higher office. Uh, we'll get into that and more, but first, let me provide some background on the man and his province. Governor, thank you for being on this episode. Sama-sama. Terima kasih, Son. Senang bersama, Son. I'd like to start first by providing some background on the governor and the West Nusa Tenggara province, or NTB as it's locally called. NTB is a province in eastern Indonesia. It is located just east of Bali, and its capital is Mataram, Lombok. Next door to Lombok is the island of Sumbawa, which is also part of NTB. The total population of the province is around 5.1 million. I asked the governor, what are the main economic drivers of the NTB economy? And this is what he said. Our primary development programs are based on agriculture and cultivation, which includes farming, forestry, marine, and fisheries, he said. Tourism also plays a very important role in our economy. We also have mining and some mineral reserves, but we restrict mining activities to certain areas to protect the environment. The governor was born in East Lombok and is 45 years old. He received his bachelor's, master's, and doctorate from the Al-Azhar University in Cairo. In 2004, he was elected to parliament with the support from the Crescent Star Party, or PBB. He served on House Commission 10, which oversees education, sports, and tourism. However, in 2008, he ran and won the NTB governor's seat at just age 36 with the backing of the PKS party. He was re-elected in 2013 with the backing from the Democrats and several other major parties. His term will come to an end later this year. The governor is the head of the Al-Azhar International Alumni, which includes over 15 countries, including Australia, Egypt, India, Iraq, Japan, Jordan, Thailand, and Yemen. In a speech that he gave late last year at the Al-Azhar annual event, the governor spoke about moderate Islam and the importance of tolerance. He is a strong believer that Muslims are required to respect humanity and that Islam does not tolerate any forms of violence, such as suicide bombings, for example. Jadi sebenarnya... He said that in Islam, all good deeds must fall into three main criteria, divine spirituality, humanity, ethics, and good values. So if there's something that is presented as having religious values, but does not fall into one of these three, it's not Islam, he says. This is what is considered as moderate Islam at Al-Azhar. 
With Indonesia's diversity, I believe that moderate Islam is the best approach for this country. If we stay consistent with this and keep this as our mainstream value, Indonesia will only grow stronger. The governor has won dozens of domestic and international awards for his accomplishments during his past nine years. So many that we can't name them all, however, the majority of them relate to economic development. He quickly reminded me that this is not his accomplishment, but a collective accomplishment with the people of NTB. Our collective accomplishment, the people of West Tenggara accomplishment, pencapaian kami semua di NTB. In 2017, he was named as one of Indonesia's best governors by the Ministry of Home Affairs, and he received a leadership award for that year for bureaucrat leadership. The same ministry stated that under the nine years of his leadership, NTB has experienced strong growth. In our development plans and targets, we always exclude mining revenue because that is a source that is not sustainable and the revenue cannot be enjoyed by all. If we look at our growth over the past several years, we have always been higher than the national average, including in 2017 where our growth was 7.1%. President Widodo has announced a series of stimulus packages during his first three years of his administration. Many of these are focused on cutting red tape and streamlining government bureaucracy. However, he has had mixed results. He has complained numerous times in cabinet meetings about this issue and says much more work needs to be done. The governor said that President Widodo continues to raise this issue in meetings. Not only has the president complained in cabinet meetings, he said, but every time he meets with governors, sometimes the entire meeting will be based only on this issue. He reminds us that we need to cut the red tape and speed up the permit and licensing process. Often, the results on the ground are different than what he hopes, and this has been a big disappointment to him. Actually, the last time I met him, that was the single issue that we spoke about. That was it, literally that one issue. Governor Zaino has shown success with bureaucratic reform and having his policies executed on the ground. I asked him to describe some of his key strategies when it comes to cutting red tape and dealing with the Indonesian bureaucracy. The most important steps are to develop teams and institutions that have integrity. The leader of the government must lead by example. He or she has to show that they don't have a vested interest with all the decisions they are making. Because in Indonesia, if the leader has a vested interest, this will be picked up by the bureaucrats and then will lead to destruction below as everyone else will exploit this vested interest. In Indonesia, patronage is still very strong to the point that signals from the leadership have a very strong influence. Uh, integritas personal dan juga integritas institusi. Bagaimana membangun integritas institusi? I believe that the president has done many things already when it comes to bureaucratic reform. However, things don't change overnight. The situation we are in now is a complex bureaucratic system that was in place for decades. So cutting the red tape is a process. If you look at our progress to date, I believe it's significant, but it still doesn't meet the expectations of the president. 
So how do you develop institutions with integrity? In NTB, we had to build integrity from the very beginning. For example, any official or bureaucrat that is named as a suspect in a criminal case is automatically relieved of their duties, and we don't wait for the courts. This is needed because it sends a signal that civil servants must be careful and protect themselves from these situations. Yes, there is a need to also improve law enforcement in Indonesia, but my job is to fix the bureaucratic machine. We are not dealing with with penegak hukum dalam artian kita punya mesin birokrasi itu yang mesti kita benahi. Nah itu yang uh, menurut saya penting. Yang kedua, Second, we in NTB use a clear reward and punishment system. The punishment is what I described earlier, and the reward is a performance bonus and is based on their achievements. This is not just their normal duties, but this is also based on innovation and solutions that they can bring. With regards to regulations, our civil servant teams are provided authority to streamline the process if it falls into their responsibilities. New review teams or new regulations are not needed to be established unless it falls outside of their scope or crosses into other sectors. As a result, we have been able to cut the unneeded regulations this way, and we have found that there are many regulations that are unnecessary. This is just a waste of money and adds to the bureaucracy. The governor is a known avid cyclist. He uses this to his advantage. On Saturdays, for example, he routinely rides his bicycle and visits as many schools as he can. During a recent bicycle ride, the governor took the time to speak to some children that were gathered on the corner. While they admired his racing bike, he explained the importance of incorporating a healthy lifestyle, a strong faith, and the value of a good education. He also has an opportunity to check the public services because they also work on Saturdays and he can meet them directly. He says that he enjoys meeting people at public events because this allows him to interact with people directly and hear what they have to say. He says that unofficial activities such as his bicycle riding are very effective to obtain accurate status checks on how things are on the ground and to find out things that his office wasn't aware of. As governor, Dr. Zainal has won an award from the Ministry of Small and Medium Enterprises for his support of cooperatives. Small and medium enterprises make up the majority of the Indonesian economy and are key for economic growth. I asked the governor what policy changes should be implemented at the national level to empower these businesses. Kami di NTB itu punya program namanya 100,000 wira usaha baru sejak tahun 2008. Since 2008, we have had a new program called 100,000 New Entrepreneurs. The goal is to get as many young people as we can to learn about entrepreneurship. I believe that the higher percentage of entrepreneurs in an economy, the healthier it is. 
Many of these young entrepreneurs are now working in the creative economy. If we talk about small and medium enterprises, often the biggest problem is obtaining capital because the financial institutions require collateral and guarantees, but many of these individuals have limited assets and if it's lost, they will end up with nothing. What we have done at the local level is to provide credit without collateral through our local state-owned bank. I think this method can also be used at the national level. Even some banks that don't require collateral often have complicated policies that make it difficult for these SMEs. Mereka tidak bisa membangun usaha karena lembaga keuangan itu selalu meminta. What also is important to look at is not only how much funds have been lent, but also how many SMEs have been denied or have difficulty obtaining this credit. This is where the local government can help and step in and provide solutions. Also just as important, as these small and medium enterprises or SMEs represent 95% of the total businesses. These businesses also contribute to their communities in other ways, such as houses of worship and religious events and other important things, which are important meeting places for the people. So if the SMEs are weak in the regions, then this could impact and weaken the religiousness and allow radicals and other bad players to become involved. So SMEs aren't just important for the economy, but for the social cohesiveness at the local level. On the point about cooperatives, our local government assists businesses with establishing cooperatives from end to end until there's a legal entity and we charge no fees. As a result, there are more healthy cooperatives in NTB on average than in other provinces. Dan alhamdulillah dengan itu di NTB persentase dari kooperasi yang sehat itu jauh lebih tinggi dibanding provinsi-provinsi lain. Lebih tinggi dari dari ya. provinsi lain. Jumlah kooperasi yang sehat ya. The governor has been an advocate for agriculture and farmers and he has been outspoken against the central government's decision to continue to import key commodities such as rice, corn and many others. He believes that Indonesian food sovereignty and self-sufficiency is key for the country. I asked him to explain some of the policies that he's implemented in NTB to support the food sovereignty effort and what policies should the central government have to reduce the need to continue on the importation of these commodities especially rice and corn. Uh, in NTB, our partiality towards agriculture and tourism are always reflected in our development planning and it is a long-term priority for us, he said. Each year we allocate funds from the local budget for agricultural development and it's clearly stated. We always make an effort to synchronize our policies with the central government's policies. For example, the central government is planning a dam and our local government has to find solutions on how to make sure the irrigation channels can still make it to the rice fields. So we have to provide input from the very beginning of the process and make sure that we're all on the same page. I've seen instances in provinces where both sides didn't synchronize and integrate their plans and this has negatively impacted the local community. Pendanaan mengintegrasikan kewajiban antara pemerintah pusat dengan daerah sehingga semua pembangunan itu bisa bermanfaat. Kemudian yang ketiga, In addition to this, it's important to have clear zoning codes and policies for residential, industrial and agriculture areas that must be strictly followed. Those who violate the code will face criminal charges. With strict enforcement, we can maximize our agriculture production and last year our corn production jumped nearly 100% from the year before. This year we expect to export 300,000 tons of corn. In NTB we absorb 700,000 tons locally out of our total production of 1.4 million tons. 
The remaining stock is sold to other provinces or exported. I believe that if you have a clear development policy umbrella, which includes a clear budget allocation, synchronized policies, a clear zoning policy, I don't think there's anything that can get in the way of Indonesia becoming self-sufficient with food commodities and maybe still could even export. Jadi kawasan yang ada itu harus dipertahankan semaksimal mungkin untuk menopang ketahanan pangan kita di masa yang akan datang. Mm-hmm. As some of our listeners may already know, NTB is fast becoming the trendy place for foreign tourists. Lombok and Sumbawa have both amazing views, pristine beaches, and dry weather, all perfect for tourists. Some observers, however, wonder if tourism will actually take off in popularity in the same way as it has in Bali, given the different demographic and question the receptivity of NTB residents to outsiders. We are different than Bali, yeah, and we are not competing with Bali. Kita tidak berencana untuk ber, berkompetisi dengan Bali karena kita beda. Bedanya banyak sekali. Mm-hmm. We are different than Bali, and we are not competing with Bali, he says. In NTB, you can hike the mountains one day, and then swim and dive the next. We have very rare views that other islands in Indonesia don't have, and even other islands in the rest of the world don't have. We started much later than Bali, 80 years behind actually. But if you look at our statistics, from 2008 to 2017, tourism has increased every year. Our government policies are focused on this. We want to improve tourism. Tourism is very important for NTB. Our unemployment level is 3.3%. This is far below the national rate of 5% because many of our people are involved in tourism. People used to say that the NTB people aren't as outgoing and friendly as the people of Bali. This is a misperception. If you see things on the ground, you see that tourists keep coming here because of our hospitality. There is an awareness among the NTB people that outsiders should be welcomed as visitors and respected. What has even developed now is so-called village tourism, where foreign tourists actually stay in homes of villages and take part of the day-to-day activities, such as taking care of cattle, and they even enjoy it. People like attractions that aren't man-made but actually natural ones. NTB has so many. I'm convinced that Lombok and Sumbawa will become a tourist mainstay in Indonesia, in addition to Bali. itu sebagai prioritas dan itu tercermin dalam kebijakan kita. Hari ini saya berada di kawasan ekonomi khusus Mandalika di Nusa Tenggara Barat. Bersama saya Bapak Gubernur NTB. Recently, President Widodo met with the governor and streamed his vlog from a Lombok beach celebrating the kickoff of a mega tourism project called Mandalika. The land area is reported to be 1,200 hectares, or four times the size of Lusadua in Bali. After years of delays, construction of six hotels have started with international investment. The government is targeting to have 10,000 hotel rooms within 10 years. Included in the Mandalika project is a new GP1 racing circuit. Switching topics now from tourism to business and mining. American PT Numat Nusa Tenggara divested its stake in the Batu Hijau mine in West Sumbawa, and it is now Indonesian-owned and called Aman Mineral Nusa Tenggara. The company is planned to establish a smelter in the same region. I spoke to the governor about the smelter plan and progress for this investment. I also asked him about the environmental and social impacts of such a facility in West Sumbawa. 
Pertama, pertambangan seperti saya sampaikan tadi, potensi besar tapi tidak menjadi prioritas kita. Mining still has big potential in NTB, but it's not our focus or priority because it's not sustainable. On the island of Lombok, for example, there are some mineral deposits to be exploited. However, we restrict mining to the underground method only, and this is in a special designated area. This is to protect the environment. Because Sumbawa has a very different geography, we allow open pit mining, but only in certain areas. On the smelter, we agree with the central government's decision to ban the export of raw concentrate minerals as we move to increase the country's value-added sector with domestic processing industries. In accordance with the law, the smelter must be located near the mine, and the company that took over from Newmont, Aman, they are currently in the early phases of the smelter construction. I have requested that Amman also ensure the downstream industries, such as petrochemicals and others, will be established here. These related industries are very important and could absorb 30 to 40,000 workers if it all comes together. We've also required the company to use the latest mineral processing technology to protect the environment. Our oceans are rich and a main source for fisheries, including tuna. Each step of the smelter has to meet environmental standards. In addition to this, the mining activities must contribute to the community's development in the area through corporate social responsibility programs. We have agreed to a roadmap with the company and we will reduce the dependency of the local community on the mine in phases so they have other opportunities later when the mine closes in 30 years or so. Di daerah sekitar tambang itu, mm-hmm. dan itu sekarang sedang berjalan. Saya pikir itu antisipasi yang kami bisa lakukan se- sementara ya. Mm-hmm. Baik, baik. I ended the meeting by asking the governor about his future plans. He is only 45 years old and will complete his second full term as governor later this year. Election laws prohibit him from running for a third term. There are many rumors in the news media stating that he may be aiming for higher office in 2019. I asked him if he has any ambitions to run for higher office, and if so, which political party or coalition is he leaning towards? During each political competition or elections, there are people that look for a person to support, and they place their hopes in them. I've been very lucky to have this support, and I've heard their hopes. I'm not from a big province, and I'm not in the mainstream, so to say. For example, we are in eastern Indonesia. We don't have a large population, so I can't be overconfident in my aims. For me personally, if you ask me do I prefer to have a career in the government, I would say yes, I do. A career in the government could be in many different capacities. If you serve the people and bring positive results, it is a priceless feeling that makes you feel proud and very thankful. Regarding the 2019 election that you mentioned, there is a process and mechanism in place for that. So my answer to your question is, Let's wait and see. Ada tahapannya, ada prosedurnya. Saya lebih suka untuk mengatakan ya kita lihatlah besok seperti apa. Terima kasih banyak atas hadir di podcast ini. Kami sangat berterima kasih atas waktunya dan bantuannya. Terima kasih sama-sama. Sukses selalu untuk podcast untuk Sean ya. Baik, terima kasih Pak. Ditunggu di NTB. That concludes my meeting with the governor of West Nusa Tenggara province, Dr. Zaino Majdi. We'll be back soon with another podcast episode. And don't forget to subscribe to Indonesia In-Depth on all your favorite podcast apps. (laughs) 